to be looking at the church of uh, Sardis this morning, so we'll be looking at the first uh, six verses uh, of uh, chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3. To the angel of the church in Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy." The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, so just to reset what we've been doing with the seven churches of Asia is that you have Jesus with a self-description, then some sort of commending, then some sort of condemnation, then some sort of correction that needs to be taken care of, and then kind of a final, and here's what I'm going to do for those who who overcome. So let's uh, get started with the self-description and start working our way through the church in Sardis. What, how does Jesus describe himself, and then why does he describe himself uh, in this way? And then we'll just kind of roll forward with, with all of that. All right, so first one, seven spirits of God uh, and seven stars. And we notice that each time Jesus describes himself, it's a different picture. It's another, another picture of who he is and has some sort of meaning to, to the church. So I guess based on what we end up seeing going on in this letter to this church, any inferences as to why we would have the seven Spirits of God and the seven stars, Debbie. The only thing I could kind of figure out was that the seven, seven spirits going around the first chapter okay. um, means perfect spirit. Okay. It's one way that I read that yep. that could mean. So it takes. It seems to me that they need some spiritual uplifting okay. because they're. They're kind of winding down. They're not okay. No, I absolutely think you're on the right track about what must be happening with this self description that Jesus gives, Julie. So, my commentary I was reading said the spirit, seven spirits of God was fullness, which means that they were fully full. Okay. All right. So you can see that there's a, this is hard. <laughs> what exactly is this doing? So, right, Revelation 1, we saw both of these pictures, right? Uh, we saw in Revelation 1, oops, we can have Christmas, yay. <laughs> we saw in Revelation 1 that uh, you had the, the three different titles given to God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And one of them was the seven spirits. And I gave you my, here's why I think that's talking about the Holy Spirit, since the name was sandwiched between the Father and the Son. So to me, that was very likely. So probably referring to the Holy Spirit here. 
And then we'll have also uh, the, 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 the seven stars. Now, where was, what was the, the seven stars about? Okay, but tell me the picture, right? That was one of the kind of the explanations about that. Is that the end of chapter one? What's the visual with Christ and the seven stars? What was that about? So he has the seven stars in his right hand and there were the seven lampstands all around him. And so it, you have this picture of Jesus with the churches, with the messengers. So you have that kind of connection be, being given. So how does that play into what happens in this description? And I guess maybe to help that question along, Revelation 3, for everybody just came in, uh, to help that description along, does Jesus have a commending in the next verse? Does he say, here's all the good things you're doing? No, he doesn't. So this is unique, right? Usually you have, uh, here's all the things that, in fact, you're almost tricked for a minute, aren't you? When it says there in, in verse one, I know your works. Well, he said that before to other churches. I know your works. And then he goes, your faithful endurance and your patient and, and, and your and your faith and all. He doesn't do that here. Instead, I know your works and that's not a good thing. <laughs> I know your works and it's actually really bad. So you would imagine how jarring that would be because we've noted that everybody got these letters because that's what you see at the end that, uh, to, to the churches, uh, those who overcome. So you're getting a picture that everybody got to read each other's mail. So you can imagine as Sardis gets theirs and you get the, I know your works, and yet there was absolutely nothing good that was put after that. This is all negative pretty much, except for the few that he, he identifies that we'll get to in a minute. So why would we have the seven spirits and the seven stars? Why would that be a useful description that Jesus would put on himself for a letter that is negative versus positive like the other ones? Right? Yeah, so here's the one that has authority. I think, you know, when you have that visual of being among the lampstands and the stars in his hand and the seven spirits, here is the, the spirit of God and saying, I know your works. And there, I think, is almost a, a, a disconcerting picture to that because he's already said to another church, if you don't do something, I'm going to remove your lampstand. I have the authority over the messengers, I have authority over heaven and earth. I have authority over the churches. And now here's a reminder. I'm the one with the seven stars. Here's the, the seven spirits. I know your works and I have nothing to say that's good about that. That'd be really jarring. Pretty jarring to have that message because I think it's indicating you all are in a lot of trouble and I'm over the churches. I'm over the messengers. I see all that you're doing. And I'm going to ultimately have to do something about this this situation. Well, that would include the messenger. Sure. Not being either. Yes. Yeah. I, I, it seems like the whole thing. If you take it as that, which was one of the options that we went back and forth between. But yeah, if you're looking at human messengers here, then then he seems to be a a, a part of that. That. Uh, and I think that would be likely that each of these, since it says to not a, to that messenger to that angel, but that'd be somebody who is part of that particular uh, congregation. All right, so since we don't have a commending of the, the works, what's the problem? Julie? I think you're alive and you're not Okay. But, go ahead. So the, the scary thing here is that word reputation. I think so too. Reputation. Yeah. 
ministry yeah. of God. And I cannot tell you when we travel and go to churches how many times, especially when we're doing mission work, they'll, they'll say we have such a good reputation in the community. Mm-hmm. All the community knows us. And I thought of this because it's like it how we tricked ourselves into thinking just because we have a reputation yeah. that we're okay. Because he says you have this reputation that you're dead. Yes. And it's interesting too because at the end he does commend the few who are worthy. Mm-hmm. But because of this overarching I agree. I think this is a pretty frightening description that's given here that you have a name that you're not living up to. It's almost like your past is what people know, but your present doesn't match, match, uh, match up to that. Well, and I think it's more than that because it says you found your, uh, I have not found your works complete. They're doing mm-hmm. some of the things. Mm-hmm. They're like what God condemned Israel for. You're doing the showy things to make it look right. like you've got everything, but you're not complete. You yeah. haven't done everything I've said. And I think that's why to the person out there, you look like you're doing everything, but you're not. Right. Yeah, I want us to kind of explore that idea because I think that is a, a, a very big concern for consideration. What do you think has happened in the church that they would have a reputation of good works and being alive, but Jesus comes along and goes, yeah, I, I know what your reputation is. I know what people say about you, but... Actually, you don't have that. Well, I mean, they receive it willingly, I would say, and then they, at first they were really energetic, you know, but then that kind of stopped right there. Right. They didn't go any further. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was going well for a while, right? Right, Jen, Jen, I think it's that individuals don't have the kind of relationship with God that Okay. Yes, I think so. Uh, let me put it this way. There's a phrase I'll, I'll use for this. I call this spiritual coasting. You ever you ever seen spiritual coasting? Uh, churches well known. Often spiritual coasting comes because a church gets full, you know. So we're doing great because the building's full. So you know we can coast. We're we're doing great, you know. Look, we've filled our building, and so you know high fives all around that we've we've filled the building, feeling good. Uh, everybody's heard of us. Everybody thinks neat things about us, and so. Rather than continuing to do what you were doing that got you to that point, it's easy to kind of just sit back in the pews and go, well, we've done our work. We're, we're, we're doing all right. You know, everybody thinks great. We look at what we've accomplished. It's, it's wonderful. I think this is the church of spiritual coasting. They were doing great and, and they were doing well enough that it brought about a name. People were aware of the church in Sardis. But Jesus comes along and goes, you've outlasted the name. That, that's, that's a shell now. You used to have something that doesn't exist anymore, but you're still living in the past. You're still living on the, on the reputation. You're still living on what you used to be rather than where you're going. Mike? That's just, I mean, what you're alluding to is complacency. Yes. We think Christianity has a, a plateau and an end point. Yeah. I think we can get to a point and say, okay, you know, we're, we're there. And then pull the reins back. But the reality is, it, it's it's not an important we can achieve without Christ. That's right. In interceding for us, so uh, it's more than just attending worship service three times a week. Yes. So. I I think this is a, a a big temptation individually and congregationally. It is so easy 
to be glad about how far you've come that you kind of just level off and you're good with status quo. So spiritually, you're just like, yep, you know, I used to do all those things, but I'm up here now. And so, and you just stay there and you just run there. Uh, and, and that's something that you see the other church problems as well. You can throw Laodicea in the book of spiritual coasting. That, that kind of, well, you just kind of a- averaged off and, and leveled off. And churches have the exact same temptation. And to me, one of the biggest warnings is always when a church gets to the size of its building. That is usually when that leveling off happens. As everybody goes, oh, well, you know, we're at about 80% capacity. You know, we're kind of full in here. We, you know, we can just feel good with all of that. And, and I think it's just fascinating that it is possible to have a church that is on reputation, that everybody thinks great things but actually isn't really doing those things anymore. And so what you have is on the outside, the looks of strength, but on the inside, it's actually declining. On the inside, things are beginning to unravel and fall apart. You don't see it from the outside, still got the reputation, and still, like April said, still probably doing some things that kind of hold the walls up of sorts for the name, but you notice that Jesus said they're incomplete. You're really not doing what you were doing before. You're kind of just playing at church now. You're just you've you've hit a certain happy level there, ma'am. Like it's become a sure, it, it, it's easy just to become content. You know, we all like each other. Let's not rock the boat. We don't need any new people around here, right? We're all content with each other. We're all happy, fine. We all like each other. It's all good. Why keep pushing and doing the work and stretching and, and reaching and all of that? We'll just kind of stay status quo. And so I find this one to be uh, really a, a, an important one that people think the church is alive and Jesus says you're dead. That's a really frightening scenario to be in. As everybody here goes, we're, we're, we're crushing it. We're spiritually alive. And Jesus goes, you are so wrong. You have all the external looks, but you are absolutely dead. Yeah. yeah the reputation, reputation is something important for, for, for us, for humans, to have reputation. Right. But the, the, the amazing thing is that the, the Lord knows who we, who, who we are. Uh, but the, the, the word clean, cleanness and every, everything that we know him better, we uh, work more in, we expect to work more in righteous, righteousness, justice, yeah. and fear of him because, uh, because we know who, who he is. Yes. And we don't, uh, don't care about much about how we pretend to be, but we really. That's right. I think that's a, that's that's exactly right. I was kind of um, it, it's interesting. This this week is this church. I was just recently a church that I uh, know very well out in 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 California and growing up, and uh, it had a a great reputation. Large church did so well, um, and this week the preacher wrote that it's his. They're moving away. So last week because the church can't even afford to pay him anymore. That's how much it's completely fallen down. And the reason that strikes me with this is because it is easy just to think that all of this will just continue to spin on its own. 
you know, we'll all just sit back and do nothing. We're glad for the hundred and it'll just stay that we'll, we'll stay this size, right? We'll all just still be here. If you're not actively working, it won't. It will absolutely fall down and die. And sometimes you can just have that reputation of, hey, we're spiritually alive. We're large. We're doing great. There's 280 people. Now it has 35. And what happened? Well, you stopped doing what you were doing. You got comfortable. You got complacent. You were no longer pushing. And I could do a laundry list of churches that I've seen that happen to. You probably can too. Uh, of places that used to be massive and strong and amazing and they've just are absolutely decimated because it's so easy to hit some particular line that we have in our mind that makes us complacent and happy and we go look at how great this is and stop and assume it will just kind of keep going on its own you can just coast now we've we've hit the level we need to hit in fact, right before COVID, when we were like shoulder to shoulder and sitting on top of each other's shoulders in here all jammed together, you might remember I said, we can't get complacent with that. You, that that's when that happens, is we go, oh, it's really tight in here, so we're, we're doing great. Don't ever get complacent. You can't, because it can unravel really, really fast, Julie. Absolutely, still a chance. Still saying, hey, listen, yeah. I'm coming. If you don't wake up, this is what's going to happen. So wake yeah. up. Yeah, absolutely. And so really, that self-analyzing is just so important. It is. That examination is very important. Well, there seems to be an individual um, complacency too that caused some sin in the fact that it says that those have not filed their clothes, mm-hmm. and I think that it's perhaps of the idea that just because we show up, that that's all God is expecting, and it doesn't carry over into our life. So you have this the defile of their clothes, so they're doing something as an individual then as well that is then probably, I don't know if it's the chicken and the egg, which one, the complacency of the church is causing the individual or the complacency of the individual is causing the complacency <laughs> of the church, where that nobody is working and doing and yeah. seeking and he tells them there to keep, remember what I taught you, yeah. you're not doing what you know. Right. It's a catch-22 at that point. It just kind of becomes a cycle, unbreakable cycle as it, as it dwindles down. I like to zero in on that word wake up. How interesting to use that. Again, doesn't that indicate spiritual coasting, spiritually blind, spiritual malaise, kind of a mediocrity has set in. We're just kind of content with status quo. And it's just, you know, wake up. Get the fire back. Get get going again. Don't just rest on the past and rest on name and rest on what you did in the past and how it used to be in the, the good old days. Wake up and, and, and get going, Charlotte. This is not all that. I think it's interesting that Jesus calls God my God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he calls him his father later on. Sure. That's what we say, my God. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of unique little pictures that are found in this letter. That's certainly one of them. Dennis, did you have something before there? Yeah, that's fact. You know, we tell them, wake up. And there is still some good there. There is. Strengthen what is there. Mm-hmm. Tell them what they need to do to correct it. Absolutely. To strengthen themselves. Yeah, you have a few who seem to uh, have, are not participating uh, in, in this. And what's interesting 
is there's nothing here that suggests that the, the few who have not soiled their garments has anything to do with sin. Did you notice that? There's nothing here in verse two that says, you know, you need to stop with that Jezebel lady or the Nicolaitans or, you know, we've seen a lot of the stop the sexual morality, stop the idolatry. This one doesn't get that. What's soiling their garments in this one? Doing nothing. Coasting. We have a, a, a business term, corporate term for what's happening right here. 20% do 80% of the work, right? Isn't that what's happening here? You guys are asleep in the wheel, but there's some of you who are not. But most of you need to wake up. That's what he's telling them. You got most of you who are just resting on what you did in the past and you think everything's going great. There's a few of you who don't have that mindset. There are a few that are still going, but most of them have just completely fallen asleep and they're just content to do nothing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, spiritual coasting, the, the, the living on reputation is described as a sin. In fact, notice how, what's, the, what's the remedy in verse, verse 3 besides repentance? What, there are some things to wake up. How to wake up, I guess, might be the way to put that. Some of the things he tells them that they need to do so that they will get back on mission and back on point and won't be spiritually coasting anymore. Just strengthen uh, what remains. Okay. So for the few people that are doing something, they need to be shining lights to everybody else. Sure. Look, people, we need to look to them and get on board. Yeah. So certainly one thing is you could say that those who are doing something need to gather in the ones who are asleep and say, let's wake up and do this do this together. And they're to remember what they received. Good. Return back to, to the first love. Yes. Get back to that. Yeah, I want you to think about that there in verse 3. Remember what you've received and heard. All right, so what is he actually wanting them to remember? The gospel. Okay. Remember the gospel, what you've seen and heard, what you've received and heard. I think we, I think this is a long list, so keep going. Remember your blessings. Remember the blessings you've received spiritually from God. What else? Okay, yeah, you've been reconciled, you've, you've been saved. The life that you have, Mike. Just remember where you came from and where you're, you know. Yeah. But when we go back to the soul of their garments, it's quite interesting that calling out is so severe. We always want to associate sin and put it on a scale, but it's, yeah. no, I mean, it's, it's not adultery I'm calling you out on. It's not you know, anything else. It's, you're not, like Dennis was saying, you're not going back to Yeah, I think it is so interesting that the problem is they forgot. You might remember that is a massive spiritual historical problem. Moses, before letting the people go on into the land of Canaan, as he gets his final three or four sermons is what the book of Deuteronomy is all about. And the book is filled with remember and don't forget when you get in there. 
You better remember what God did. You better remember with a task at hand. You better remember what you've been called to do. You have things that need to be done. And don't forget what you came out of and what God accomplished. And when you got these blessings, don't think it was you. And when you think that it's all about you, God didn't choose you because of you, because you were big or anything like that. He just starts telling you, you better remember. Because spiritual coasting comes from forgetting. In fact, Peter, the apostle Peter said that. In 2 Peter 2, as he writes in that first chapter, he tells them, you need to add all of these virtues to your faith. And if you do those things, you will never stumble, you'll never fall. Because those who are not doing that, he describes them as being so nearsighted as to be blind because they have forgotten what God has ultimately done for them. (coughs) Muriel? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. To keep the mission going, uh, Debbie. And it's one thing to remember academically. Right. Yes, Jesus died for us. Isn't that wonderful yeah. thing? But it's it's another thing to feel it in your gut. Yes. To, to think about as you go along your day. Right. And then allow that to motivate you to do something, right? And I think that's part of what happens. And I I think this is probably one of the great, I mean, there's always problems, but probably one of the greatest problems to American Christianity is we have the church and we have the church building and so we're comfortable. And following Christ simply is sitting in a building, And so we've got a bunch of people that we like and we pray and sing and take the Lord's Supper and get yelled at for 30 minutes. And then we go home and, and, you know, and we've done it and do it again on next Sunday. Hey, great. You know, we, we're, we're, we're alive. (laughs) There's surely that's what they're doing. They're just content. They're, They're no longer remembering where they came from and who they are and what needs to be done and and what the mission is. The mission is not pew-sitting. The mission is not, well, we're all comfortable. You know, here we are. We've attained a certain level. You know, it'd be easy to go, you know, for those of you who've been here a really long, really long time, you know, it, it used to be like 40 people here. And now we actually filled the building up and had to knock a wall down and yay. Okay, so now we're, now we're good. No, we're not. <laughs> it's never good enough, Julie. And there's a real fear here, and, and we can say it's a little Wake up, wake up. And I know that we sometimes get to that urgency as well. <clears throat> you know, the complacency and the coasting and being in America and having wealth or whatever. You know, he's saying if you will not wake up, putting it on ourselves. Mm-hmm. It is. We just look at ourselves and care enough about ourselves and each other to say, are we dead? Yeah. Do we need to wake up? Absolutely. Because how close is he to coming? That's he's right. He's saying, please wake up. He's putting, he's putting the, the expectation and, and the plea on, on ourselves. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's quite a thing to say there in verse 3. If you will not wake up. Hmm. Yeah. Are you just going to read? Can you imagine the church of Sardis? They read this letter. Uh, I know your reputation. I know you're, you know, you, you think you're doing great. I know you're dead and you need to wake up. <clears throat> but if you don't wake up, it's almost, can you imagine the people are like, oh yeah, we've got to wake up. But then tomorrow comes and you're back to not waking up and you're back to doing the same old thing again. We're so terrible about that. You know, it's a new year. It's going to be a new life. And we're going to do so much better. We're going to be so different. We're going to do this for God. We're going to change our lives. 2023, man, it's going to be something until January 14th. And you go, well, (laughs) back to the same old, same old again. It's so easy to fall asleep. It is so easy to just go right back into the same old thing and not keep it going. So I think that's quite a question that he's putting before them. Like, are you going to choose to wake up after getting a letter like this and say, okay, we've got to really change. We've got to get radically different. We can't be just having the 80% do nothing. We're going to be active and we're going to do, do things. Or just go, yeah, that sounds good. And then, you know, right back to the same old thing, Charlotte. There in the beginning, though, he says, I know your words. Yeah. Now, are those I think so. Yeah, I think so. That's what I actually wrote that in my notes. When Jesus says, I know your works, I wrote it to the side. You know, sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not. Well, that can be a really good thing. What, what evil, I mean, what other evil did they talk about? That's it. And yeah, this one doesn't have it. That's why I think this, this letter is particularly fascinating. is because he doesn't charge them with this high gross immorality. He charges them with being asleep. He basically charges them with living in the past, living on the reputation. And I think that's, I think that's the thing, because he does not identify anything in particular that they've done wrong except that, that they have uh, a reputation of being alive, but they're actually quite dead. I think it's almost a play. I know your works, your, yep. your, your, what you do, but there's no heart behind. Yeah. That's the deadness, is there's no heart. Yeah. So to me, it's it's like a lot of what God would say about Israel. You do these things, but there's no heart behind yeah. what you do, because it's all just a show. Yeah. And that's why you have a good reputation, because yeah. you put on a good show. Yeah. But that, you know, your works, like yeah. what, as if you were, the salvation comes from what you right. earn, not from, you're not, you're missing the big point sure. behind it. I think that's right. And, and we can sometimes make those false evaluations based on externals that, you know, well, a, a big church must be doing everything right and a small church must be doing everything wrong. Not necessarily. Church of 20 might be spot on and be completely on fire and a church of 3,000 just be there, you know, because the drummer boys are flying across the ceiling. I mean, it can do whatever. It just, we have the wrong reasons, wrong motives, be all reputation stand. That's right. Yeah, judgment's right around the corner for you guys. It's all going to collapse. And, and that's and again, if you've been around the block long enough, you've seen churches that are houses of carbs. You know that they're they're built tall, wide, and big, and they just implode instantly because they're not built on anything. It's just that that reputation. Mike, no, I was just uh, I, I was just uh, surprised. 
Christ that the, the reference to the judgment uh, is second coming, coming like a thief in the night. Yeah. Specifically, you know, referencing, you know, another. It's inevitable. Mm-hmm. You just don't know what's going to happen. That's right. Inevitably, God's going to do something about this. At some point, this will all come out. And that's certainly true for them, is if you don't do something, uh, then you're not going to know what the hour is when I'm going to come against you. I'm going to do something about that. Let's talk about verses 4, 5, and and 6 for the, the next 15 minutes that we have left, about what is uh, pictured regarding the few, what is being promised uh, some of those things as uh, the back end of, of this uh, that he tells the church in Sardis. What do you see uh, in regards to those things? Oh, they have not defiled their clothes. Mm-hmm. Is, is that their spiritual clothes? Absolutely, right? Yeah, because, because of what's what's described with the rest of, of, of that in verse 5, uh, those who conquer will wear white clothing or white garments uh, verse four, they will walk with me in white, uh, for, for they are worthy. So again, we'll not forget the symbolism of what this book is, is, is doing. So for those who have not fallen asleep, and I think this is something that is, is extremely useful to consider is, so you have a church here on the whole that is spiritually dead. They're asleep at the wheel. They're living on the reputation But Jesus is aware of the few who have not done that. And notice that it says to them, you're going to walk with me. You're worthy. I'm giving you white garments. So there's something valuable about seeing. You might be a part of a group that's a sinking ship, but that doesn't mean your spiritual soul is sinking with them. You know? You don't have to be, man, they're just not doing anything, so i got to leave this place. Or you can get in there and go, hey, wake up, everybody. <laughs> Try to wake the place up. <laughs> Try to get things going again. So there is value in seeing in each of these churches, there are times where you see God saying to the people, I know the few among you who are doing what's right. You're going to be overcomers. You're going to be with me. I'm giving you the white stone. I'm going to give you the pillar. I'm going to give you all of these different pictures of victory. And so that's a great, great comfort is, is to say, all right, well, that's good to know so that I, I know I'm good. Now I've got to help everybody else be in the same circumstance because judgment was coming against the rest. Mike? Uh, no, just, uh, you know, the common thread throughout the Bible, it's always going to be a remnant. Yep. It's always going to be. Always. It's never going to be the all. It's always a few. <laughs> it's one thing God has shown from the very get-go. It's, it's always a, a selected smaller group within the whole. It's always been that way. Uh, and that's certainly uh, seen here, Jan. Going back to what April said, it's all of our responsibility. He didn't write it just to the preacher and the elder. Right. Yeah. Uh, everybody's got, a, got a, a part to play in that. And that's probably, again, that's kind of goes back to the American Christianity problem is it's easy as Christians to go, well, at least the elders and the teachers and the preachers are all doing the work. So we're alive. And like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. The question is, are you alive? That, that's that's the, the question, April. I think the concept of the book of life is interesting. Yes. Those few are who's written. Uh, I think that really speaks to you know. It's not about who uh, name gets on some kind of membership directory or, or whatever the church uses. It, it's Christ that writes that in yeah. there, and, and 
it's not just because you show up to church. Yes. That's right. But verse 5 has a really great uh, picture there. Uh, to those who overcome or conquered or clothed in white garments, I will never blot his name out of the book of life. That's a neat visual. You have to like the visual of your name being etched into a book of eternal life that is not getting erased. That is a glorious picture. You have to love that that image. It's it's not like uh, written in chalk kind of thing, but described as just it's it's there. It is, it is it, to those who have this kind of mentality, this kind of heart, and this kind of effort. Your name is in the book of life. It is not going to get chiseled uh, back out of there, Julie. And this is the great encouragement here. Um, the word reputation stood out to me, but so did the word conquering. Mm-hmm. And you go to Revelation chapter 7, and that beautiful picture of the white, the people in white who have overcome this world. But there's just such a great encouragement that we can conquer with Christ. Right. So like we can say this one time, it's more than just coming and sitting in a pew right. or having a reputation. It's really living it every yeah. single day and doing that with Christ and then knowing, yes, you can conquer yes. um, with him. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, yeah, and as, as April brought up, as you're bringing up, your name in the book of life is what matters. Ironic timing, the last like week or two, I've been trying to get everybody's updated info for the 2023 directory and all of that. But if you ever pay attention to the upper right-hand corner, I've had there for many, many years this teeny small print that says, just because your name is on this directory, essentially in shorthand, means absolutely nothing. <laughs> all that it means is you are here regularly. That's all that means. It doesn't mean you're in good standing with God. It doesn't mean you're in the book of life. It doesn't mean you're a part of anything except you sit here a lot. That's all that thing means. <laughs> That's all it means. Your name in the book of life is what matters. And if it's on a piece of paper that we have your address on, does not tie to that. <laughs> that is just a register of common of people who commonly come here. That's all that is. Uh, but sometimes people have that mentality. It's like, oh, well, you know, well, I'm a part of, uh, of that church and that means I'm good. It doesn't mean anything. That's what Jesus is pointing out right here. They're all part of the church of Sardis and they're all in a whole lot of trouble. He says, I can't even say a good thing about you. You're all in the past, living on the past, nothing in the present. You've got to change before it's too late, Charlotte. Maybe you should put that in I mean, well, I don't want to take up the whole directory with it, you know. <laughs> but it's there on the very front. <laughs> to have your name acknowledged before God, I think it's oh, right. more important or greater. Than How great is that? Yes. yes. Verse 5 also. I will confess his name before my father and his angels. Two staggering visuals. You, we're going to get to the end of the, the book. of The real reason this is very helpful is we're going to get to the end of the book of Revelation. Remember, you're going to have this great white throne scene, and the books are going to be opened. So there is, not that this necessarily is going to literally happen. These are all visuals. But enjoy the visual of beginning eternity, and books are thrown open. And, to, uh, you know, it's something that we like. To, that I think that's why God uses it. You can imagine him, you know, I'll use myself running to, the, okay, letter K, you know, you've got to find in the letter K, book of life, K, 
Kircheville, Kircheville, uh, yeah, Kircheville. Uh, you're in. Okay. Confessing your name before the Father. These are great visuals that God is giving. Is like, yes, you're registered. Your name is reserved in heaven. You have your place. Let me let me escort you to your heavenly dwelling. Let me, come on in. Your name is there. And then the picture on top of it of, of, of Christ saying, and I'm going to go be your advocate. I'm going to go stand before the Father and say, I know him. I know her. I, they're with me. They're allowed to be here. That, that place, that, 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 that's where they get to be. Man, that's great. It's just great. What a visual, Mike. Uh, just uh, going back to the word conquer, uh, it implies that it's not an easy road. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of effort that's going to need to go to conquer anything. Yeah. But the other thing is in reference to Jesus saying nobody can before the Father except for That's right. Because he's the one that's going to stand there and say, you're in or you're out, right? He's the one who's earlier we saw in another letter, who's got the keys. Uh, He's he's, he's the entry point. Uh, You've got to know him. Well, it's not a a team event. It's an individual event. That's right. Because there's a few doing something right. in the church sardis, they're not going to yeah. go, okay, all the church sardis, yep. come on in. That's right. Each individual person. That's right. Yeah, I wish we could all do that for each other. We'd be there in the final day, and he'll just you know go to W West Palm Beach Church of Christ. Yeah, you all are it. It doesn't work that way. No, there's no no uh, in by association. <laughs> it's, it's your name. It, it's all about you. We are here together, working together for that goal. But at the end of the day. You can either be the ones who have the reputation but are dead or the ones who haven't soiled their garments. And that's a you choice. Uh, and associating ourselves with the right group is, is only a small step in the process. It's not enough uh, to, to say, well, at least I'm, I, I'm identified there and my name was on their uh, purple piece of paper that they pass out once a year. You know, that just doesn't matter. It's, that's irrelevant to the picture. So really a beautiful picture there. Kathy? That's right. That's right. He has, he knows our hands, but he also knows our hearts, and that's where he sees, you know, he already knows our hearts. He doesn't have to look for it or search his mind. He knows who we are. And that's one of the reasons I do. You'll notice each of the the churches get that, the one who overcomes or the one who conquers, gives you a picture that this is a battle, a battle of temptation, a battle for faith, a battle for your soul. Uh, this is not to the one who stays in the hammock, I will give them a crown of life. This is, you're going to have to fight for this. It is not going to just come to you. Uh, and probably this church really does represent that well because it's easy to spiritually coast. And there is the picture of getting off the spiritual couch and getting into the spiritual battle. Uh, and to those who are willing to do that, I'm going to overcome. We've got just a minute left. Nathan, did you have something? The, um, the reference to the Holy Spirit at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, I saw the church inside as, as a church was devoid of the Holy Spirit because yep. it is in fact the Holy Spirit which energizes us. And the I think you know the church was going through the motion. There was yep. no spiritual growth. Yep. You, you mentioned Second Peter that we must have to refit all of these virtues right. to make our calling and election sure. Right. And 
that is a lot of what I saw happening in, yeah. in the church at Cyrus. Yeah, I think, and that's why that I think that represents well the reputation is spiritual life, but actually it's spiritually dead. And, and so it's it's exactly right. It is devoid of God's work within them. They are not a transformed people anymore. Together as a group or as individuals, it is just the shell. You know, and that's twice that we've seen churches listed here where you just have shells. And we're going to see another one later is going to be the shell with Laodicea. They're also a shell. This, what a danger of being a church that ha- looks the part, seems to have the name, has all the chairs arranged properly, but isn't alive. Just absolutely not alive. Uh, and it's easy to look at all the wrong things to measure uh, the spiritual life of a church and of an individual. Uh, and so pretty big warning to, to this church. Final comment, yeah. When I was talking about, I know you work, maybe their work is just they have an open door to come on Sunday morning and take the Lord's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think so. Yeah, very, I, very superficial, uh, external reputation alone, absolutely. There, there's not the energy... Uh, to, to serve the Lord. So great, great letter there. Uh, so Lord willing, next week, the Church of uh, Philadelphia from verse 7 uh, to verse 13. We only have a, a couple churches uh, left to, to look at. And don't worry, we will go past chapter 3. I know a lot of Bible studies stop there because, you know, that gets hard. So we'll, we'll be in chapter 4 in a couple of weeks. So 15-minute break. We'll reconvene at 1030 for our hour of worship. Uh, thank you, everybody.